Welcome to the WeGo Places podcast, where we catch up with WeGo grads who share with us the story of the journey to their unique careers. I'm your host, Brian Turnbaugh, English teacher at WeGo since 2001, and you just heard new intro music from Andy Georgieff, class of 2022. Today, we talk to Laura Vodica, class of 2006, artistic director and owner of Innovation Arts Connection. Laura will share with us how she returned to her love of dance and eventually opened her own dance school and how she adapted to meet the challenge to keep her students dancing during COVID. Joining us today from the class of 2006 is Laura Vodica. Laura, what do you do? Um, I am a dance theater and fitness educator specializing in inclusive recreational programs uh, for children through adults. Um, and I also am the founder and artistic director of Innovation Arts Connection. It's a traveling creative arts studio that serves Chicagoland Park District communities. When did you when did you start your love of dance and dance education? Yeah, well, I actually started dancing at West Chicago Park District when I was two years old. Um, there was a program there, and then that instructor, Miss Nanette, um, she opened up a studio in. Geneva um, called Dance Encounter. So I danced there for years and years and years all through high school. Um, I actually stepped away from dance my senior year of high school and the beginning of college. I had gotten really into theater at um, community high school. Um, and I kind of thought I was done with it and I was miserable my first year of college and I ended up auditioning for the musical um, at ISU and obviously there was dance in that. It was West Side Story and I realized I need to be um, keeping this in my life. So I actually didn't major in dance. Um, I still was kind of thinking it would just be something fun I would do and um, I would keep it more on the theater side, um, but I, I took a lot of dance classes um, just, you know, for extra credits and things like that, but um, never did the major. Uh, graduated with my degree in theater education um, and uh, student taught and was looking to um, uh, get a job teaching high school theater Um and at the time that I graduated college, there were just not a lot of jobs. It, theater is one of those things that um, if you're looking for a full-time theater gig, a uh, teaching theater gig, you kind of got to wait for somebody to retire. Um, and there weren't a lot of people retiring. Programs were, you know, um, I don't want to say getting cut, but they were definitely uh, at the time uh, class numbers were going down and um, more Kids were taking science and tech and things like that. Um, so I had a mentor that was like, I just don't think you should be waiting around for this. I was never fully convinced that I wanted to stay teaching high school. I liked it, but I wasn't in love with every aspect of it. Um, so I started teaching evening dance classes um, and I slowly got back into that. 
Um, and I guess along the way, I just, I, I kept doing that and that became my full-time gig. And, um, and I just, again, it just, it dance was always natural for me. So, um, I, I just kind of kept going with it. <laughs> so, yeah. But it's, it's, it's interesting, you know, you had to make a couple of pretty profound pivots. Uh, you said like within your yeah. first year of, of school at ISU, uh, what were you initially studying? I was an English major. Um, and I know you were my English teacher, but I took um, global studies. And I just remember English being so much easier in the studies programs because there was that nice connection between a lot of different subjects. Um, I, I struggled with the the uh, keeping up with the readings with English. And I remember my first English class in college, I just, I really struggled to stay, um, on task with, uh, you know, the, the amount of reading that was involved. I love the writing side of it, but the reading was just, it was just a lot. And, um, and I, I missed that into interdisciplinary studies aspect of it. Um, and so I was pretty miserable. I very quickly transitioned out of English, um, and I was undeclared for a little while. And then I uh, did the theater major with a, a minor in history. It's so great that you were able to kind of identify, like you just, you just didn't have the heart to kind of prolong mm-hmm. you know, that. And you knew that. And, and, you know, and that really warms my heart that you, you saw the, the, uh, the joy of interdisciplinary. That's why we love teaching it so much. That's just so great. I loved those classes. Yeah. Uh, they were, <laughs> I mean... Work classes at um, at at community high school. Um, I really enjoyed it, and there were a few of us who who took all three years. And you know, you we kind of I felt like we kind of became a family. <laughs> you know, um, I know not everybody did that, but there were a handful of us that you know did all three years of the studies program. And I I personally I loved it. Like I just felt like that was the best way to learn about history and geography, um, but to also, you know, incorporate all of those, um, English skills because it makes them make, makes them make more sense and and have more purpose. And in my head, at least as a student like that, it just made sense to me and it made me understand why I had to know these things and why I needed them to be a successful adult. So, yeah. What were some of the things that you learned with each new job that you took and how did that kind of ultimately make you want to make the leap to starting your own business? Yeah, so um that's a that's a great question and I I hope this doesn't come across as too negative but I've been a person who feels that I don't ever get that like I remember when um, I was looking at colleges and people would go, well, you'll just, you'll just know, you'll go in the campus and you'll just know it's the right decision. And I, I never had that feeling. Um, I feel like I'm the kind of person who learns best when it's like, uh, this again, it's going to sound so negative, but when things don't go great, I feel like I learn the most about myself. So I was actually working and I, and I've worked in a bunch of different park districts and also private studio settings, um, in a lot of different, uh, types of facilities. And it, it always ended up being, you know, I learned from what I didn't want or what I didn't, um, believe in or didn't feel like I wanted to be a part of. So, um, there were uh, a few studios that I worked at that were very focused on competitions and dance competition and, um, building up that side of their business. And I just, 
never had a passion for that. And I really loved working with the beginner level students, but also um, the students who, you know, wanted to come to dance and have a good, solid dance foundation, but didn't necessarily want to compete and and or didn't have the means to be able to do that because it is very expensive and time consuming. Um, so um, I also, you know, working at private studios, there were so many in our area when I was growing up, um, you know, there, I drove all the way to Geneva to take dance classes. There weren't any um, locally, there weren't as many um, as there are now. And, and now you turn the corner and there's a dance studio on every single corner, which is amazing. But I also knew, you know, I didn't want to saturate the market by adding another dance studio to this area. Um, and I had always worked with park districts. My mom actually um, used to teach, um, she worked for Center to Page Hospital when it used to be called that. And they had a program that sent instructors out to different park districts and they had fitness classes for kids and like early childhood classes, all relating around health and fitness. And she did that for years at um, local park districts. And, you know, I, I remember uh, my brother and I used to go and and help her or hang out during class when we didn't have a babysitter. Um, and then my first job was actually teaching dance with the dance studio I danced at. Um, they'd send us out as high schoolers um, to teach dance classes on the weekends. Um, so I'd always had a connection with park districts and that kind of never went away. Um, and I was noticing more and more that, you know, I'd walk into some of these park districts and especially smaller park districts or or park districts that, you know, just didn't have the populations where they'd have giant programs. Um, their, their dance programs um, sometimes struggled because they would have just high school kids teaching and, and not to say to any high schooler who's listening right now that you're not capable of teaching, but um, it's a hard job for a high schooler. And when I was 16, I had no idea what I was doing. And, um, you know, it, you do need some leadership behind a program to make sure it thrives and is is very successful. And I wasn't I wasn't seeing that consistently at park districts. Um, and the other thing that inspired me was I had been working for a sports organization that um, offered sports classes at districts. Um, and um, I, we dance didn't really fit into their model, but they were bringing in these quality um, sports programming for early childhood and youth um, uh, age group. And they were very successful because they, you know, get the kids in there, they'd, you know, teach them what they need to be taught, they'd have some leagues going, and then those kids would be ready when they went off to middle school or high school to participate in their sport. Um, and there wasn't really anything like that at the at the dance level with park districts. So I thought, well, what if I start something that, um, you know, I could hopefully will eventually be beneficial to me because I'll be able to create my own schedule, um, but also would hopefully be beneficial to communities, especially smaller communities that maybe don't have the means to hire a full-time dance instructor or a full-time dance coordinator at their district, but they could hire um, my business, which can travel all over and, um, and, and have a quality program that we can kind of implement within that community and customize for that community. Um, so yeah, it was kind of came out of a, I know what I don't want. Um, I know what I enjoy doing. I like working with communities. Um, I also just, you know, got to a point where I, I got 
I just got unmotivated to work for, for people. <laughs> Sometimes it's kind of hard to work with creatives. Um, and I just, I don't know, I, I had a lot of ideas and I was tired of the red tape of being told I had to either wait to do something or I couldn't do something because it wasn't in a budget. Um, and so, yeah, that's that's kind of how this all started. <laughs> I, I don't know I that think I, I would... answered your question. <laughs> yeah, no, you, I, don't, I don't think I would categorize what you said is that what, what you do was born out of negativity. I, I think that's what you do when you grow is that you assess and you reflect True. on what has been and then you move forward. That 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 seems to be what yeah. you just described is that you decide like, well, that didn't work and now I'm going to do something that works. So I think I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't right. yeah. say it's negative. That's true. That's true. I just know for me, I don't get the woo-woo feelings all the time. So, And it's not to say that any of those other things aren't good. It's just, you know, there's, I think there's, there's so many competitive programs out there right now and travel teams and, and, and I, I feel like the need right now is to go back to the root and serve the true recreational student. And I, I think that's what's been missing the last, you know, few years because we've seen this huge boom in, um, you know, traveling and competitive dance and sports and things like that. And and yeah, so. Yeah. And I, I, one of the things that you had said, you know, when you were answering the, the last question, which is I, I was wondering if you can maybe comment on like that kind of special ingredient that you were looking at, which is how you are able to kind of find that type of leadership or design and how you were able to really uh, bring in that kind of recreational dancer or young dancer and, and all that. Like, how do you, how do you go about designing a program that really you had a, a carte blanche, you were able to start from the beginning. What was your, what were your kind of initial steps to uh, design the, the program? Well, I'll be honest, Mr. Turnbow, and I'm sure as an educator, you can attest to this. Um, it's 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 a constant looking at, tweaking, and reworking. I'm actually um, this month my I have a, a a new instructor and a virtual assistant for the first time this year, um, and we are working on kind of restructuring our curriculum. Um, and actually adding in skills charts so that the instructor, I, I try to make it as easy as possible because um, I always try to hire people who have an education background, but sometimes, you know, you're, you're, you know, at the will of hiring, you know, just a good, awesome person who might not have an education background. And I want it to be easy for them to evaluate their students and, and, quote unquote, put together or follow a curriculum. So we're making skills charts right now that the instructor can literally just check off a list as they go through the session. Um, but then the student will also get a little chart at the end that will show, okay, they know this, this, this skill, this is a skill they need to work on, you know, and then a, a parent can then say, look at it and one, see all the different terminology because I'm sure, you know, if, if your daughter took dance, I'm, I'm guessing you would not know all of the terminology that we use. So that way you can go and look that up or ask the instructor like, hey, I see they're working on this. Like, can you show me what that is so I can work on it at home? Um, but it also, you know, shows the parent that A, they're making progress and B, um, that they're either ready for the next level or not ready for the next level. Um, the biggest challenge that I find is that because we work with recreational programs and because we cater more towards small programs, 
Um, we tend to have multiple levels within one class. If you're truly looking at each in dancer individually, um, in a perfect world, they would probably be split apart into multiple levels. And that just doesn't always work with, you know, needing to hit certain minimums um, with the district and whatnot. Um, so that's always a challenge because in, in recreational dance, you're always going to have uh, a few kids who are you know, re already ready for the next level and need a challenge. But then you're also going to have the kids who like are just working on basic skills. And I'm not even talking dance skills, but like following directions in class and understanding the routine. Um, so, you know, as far as, as planning for it, you know, you, I do my best to every year pre-plan a curriculum, but I, I will be perfectly honest by the end of the year, I'm already reworking it for the next year to improve it. So I feel like it's, my curriculum is, is, a little bit of a, a living um, creature, if you will, um, that that continues to morph and every year improve little by little. And it also does that because as I hire more people that have different experiences and different expertise than me, uh, they look at it and go, hey, Laura, like we really need to add this or we should be restructuring it to um, you know, have this building block or we need to add this side of things. Um, so the other thing that I've been working on the last year or so too is to not only incorporate um, dance skills, but to have a solid curriculum for um, dance, dance and movement concepts, but also general theater and performance skills like um, um, audience etiquette, um, knowing your stage direction, things like that. We were always incorporating that, but it wasn't like a, okay, this is when we're going to teach it. It was more of a, all right, well, let's teach it today. So we're trying to get a little more um, uh, on the nose with when that's being taught and, and strategically teaching it at a time that works with the skills that they're learning. Um, so that, again, talk about interdisciplinary studies, um, that the student can really understand the why behind um, the skill or the technique that they're learning um, so that it sticks with them for longer. So, so yeah. I... If I were to have asked for you to provide an example of a educational philosopher, his name was um, Vygotsky, and he has this concept called the zone of proximal development. You just gave the perfect e example of how the whole process works through uh, with that. So that was that was amazing, uh, Laura. I, I just I love you know everything that you said about the types of reinforcements visually and and how each part is uh, really just a, a nice kind of step forward and 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 how everything was just so uh, perfectly designed for for that type of incremental growth without really kind of bearing them without with uh in a way that they wouldn't see just the amount of progress that they would have made so that was that was great yeah and i, I think visually that really important for kids and and especially for the guardian to see. Um, and I've noticed just by incorporating that little handout at the end of a session, like you see, you it, it just, again, it shows the guardian like, wow, they're actually learning something. I'm not just um, dropping them off in a dance class because unfortunately with, I think, arts education as a whole, but especially dance education, because it's so geared towards women, not that it has to be, but it is. And you're, you know, we, I think a lot of times we are seen as being a glorified babysitter and, and, um, and people, 
I don't always think fully respect that, you know, when they come to dance class, like they are learning skills that, you know, they're learning the art of dance, but they're also learning very valuable human skills <laughs> um, that that are important to have. Um, and so I think, you know, doing something like that, like I, I know I have improved as an educator um, when I teach the guardian as much as I teach the dancer. Um, and I think that just, you know, again, it, I hate saying prove yourself, but in some ways it is, it's, it's proving that, you know, dance is valuable and the, this activity isn't just, you know, a fun thing to do to learn a trendy dance, but it's, it's valuable and it's important and it can be very beneficial, um, to all sorts of kids, even if they don't continue to pursue dance. Um, so yeah, that, that's, that, I don't want to say stupid, but that little piece of paper, that half sheet of paper I print out and put a little check by and write a little positive comment at the bottom, um, I think has been super beneficial to the guardians, the students in their, you know, uh, motivation for continuing, but also helpful for the teacher to go look at what I taught my students. Because um, I know as a young educator, I sometimes, and I, I hate admitting this, but I feel like I kind of went in there and I somewhat had a plan, but then I didn't always follow it. And then by the end of the session, I was like, well, what, what did I teach them? What did I, what did I accomplish? So um, it, it, I think it's also great for the educators as well, because you can really see the, the progress that they've made, like at the beginning of the session. Well, they, most of them couldn't do half these skills. And now look, eight weeks later, they can, you know, do this whole chart of skills. Plus they know all of these awesome, you know, just human skills too. So, so yeah. One of the challenges is that you have to also kind of find this balance, which is, of course, people have fun dancing, but you also want them to kind of ascend in their skill level as well, which ironically might make them not have as much fun. So how do you how do you kind of approach that challenge in your uh, in your teaching with with dance? Because, I mean, inherently they were drawn to it because dancing is, is so has so much joy in it, but to get better at it, sometimes it does require the type of concentration that might take away from that other part. So how, how do you, how do you find that balance uh, in your instruction with that? Yeah. And I, I mean, I, I think that's, I think that's always a challenge of any educator because you get to a point in whatever you're teaching and whatever your skill is um, where, and I remember this as as a student, you know, you, you kind of plateau, right? You get to that, that point where you feel comfortable with the things you know, but to go into that next level is hard and it makes you feel awkward and then you don't like it. <laughs> you want to be good at it. So, you know, you definitely hit that with students. Um, and it, I personally feel like it is a, uh, a balance of, just knowing the student and and figuring out what's going to work best to motivate them one on one um and developing that relationship with them. So there I mean there's a lot of different techniques. I know for um general techniques, I have a very set um daily schedule for my class. So if you walk into my class, almost every single one of them follows the same structure. It varies a little bit with age group because there's certain things that obviously the older kids don't do that the younger kids do. Um, but I have a very set structure that pretty much stays the same at all levels. So if, you know, they know what to expect coming in and they know what the expectation is. Um, but within that structure, um, activities will change. I'm very big on making sure that 
within that structure, we're constantly shifting gears um, because I know as a dancer and as um, a student in any kind of class, if we're like, I did not do well in lecture classes when we just sat and listened to the professor read off of a slide. Like I, I could not focus. I did not, do, I did not do well. But when I had classes where, you know, even if we were sitting in a lecture hall, but maybe there were different ways that they were um, sharing the information, like there was a video and then there was an open discussion. And then there was, you know, a moment to talk with the peer next to you. Like I did really great shifting gears because it made my brain stay focused. It, it made me excited. It made, you know, you just didn't get too settled and, and have that boredom set in. So, um, so our activities are, are, are the structure stays the same, but the activities within the structure change constantly. Um, and then within those things, um, the activities will then change. And I'm very big on, um, doing a variety of activities that are either teacher-led or student-led um, that incorporate props and um, or physical things that you can touch so you can, you know, engage students who, you know, have different learning abilities. I'm also very big on using visual tools as well as auditory tools. Um, and then especially with those older kids, because those are the ones that tend to hit that plateau and then and, and get unmotivated. Um, like I said, it's working one on one with them to figure out like what it is that they enjoy about dance and what it is that they um, feel really good about. And then taking that into the more harder areas and and using those tools to make that harder skill work. Um, I know this is, it's hard to explain in general terms, but I'm trying to think like I had a student who um, she was really struggling to um, hit her pirouette, which is a turn where your toe is coming up to your knee and you're rotating outside and then landing back around. And she just like, she kept her access was going forward. She wasn't going straight up. She just had basically decided like, I'm never going to learn it. I'm never going to be good at turning, blah, 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 blah. So we had to look like she loves doing the splits and she's super flexible. So I'm like, okay, well, why do you love doing the splits? Well, because I can get all the way down to the floor and everybody thinks I'm good at them. And it's like, okay, great. But could you always do that? No. Well, what did you do when you were younger to be able to get the splits? Well, I practiced every day when I went home and I, I looked up this YouTube video on how to do the splits. I'm like, great. So why aren't we doing that for your pirouette? You know, um, and just having, helping them see that, that, change of mindset, um, I think is really important. But again, that's a one-on-one -on -one basis because that technique might not have worked with that student. And it might have, a different student might have needed like a skills chart or not a skills chart, but a, a rewards chart where like every day when you practice, you give yourself a sticker. And if you bring that back, Miss Laura will give you a prize or something. Another student, you know, it just might have needed some one-on-one -on -one time to get something. You know, it just... I think it's a balance of having the structure of the class, you know, you, relying on that structure and knowing that, you know, if you keep that structure, the kids know what to expect and they will work hard within that. V changing up the variety of activities so that you hit all different types of learners and you keep it engaging the entire time. Staying positive and staying, you know, 
strict and keeping your your boundaries, but also just always encouraging and reminding kids that like, yeah, you're in class because you want to learn this skill, not because you've already mastered it. Because if you mastered it, then you wouldn't be here. You wouldn't be taking class, right? Um, I have to remind my older kids that all the time. But then going that you know extra step of one-on-one figuring out what works for each individual student, which is hard. And I'll be honest, there are times and there's been sessions where I don't think I've always been what the student needs. And, you know, it's it's hard as a teacher to realize that, but sometimes that happens. You know, you're not for everybody. My teaching style doesn't always work for every kid. And, you know, hopefully the, a different teacher within our organization will work, but sometimes it means they have to go to a different studio and that's okay too, you know? Um, so yeah, I, I'm sorry. I, I kind of went off topic there, but but yeah. No, not at all. You you touched on a lot of I think really important educational concepts. I mean, especially you know two things that I heard that were really important there was that you embraced it, showing the student that they have to. And this is a kind of a very trendy kind of uh, idea, but the idea of the growth mindset, right? Which is like you know if you you can do this, but you need to reflect on the process to get where you need to go. Uh, and the way in which you were able to make them reflect and, and and invited them into the dialogue with themselves and you to move forward. I thought that was just exceptional teaching, Laura. That was awesome. Yeah, well, I very much believe that in order to learn, you have to know why you're doing it, but you also have to you you have to be able to see what the outcome is going to be. Um, and I think if we are if we can explain to a student okay, this is why we do something. Um, And then also explain to them, like, if you do this, you will see this. I I, Obviously, I don't think it works all the time, but I think 90% of the time, if you explain that why, if you explain, you know, here are the things that you, here are the tools. If you do these tools and you use them, like this is what you're going to see. I I think you see a lot of success there. So I'm I'm really big on like explaining that why and, and trying to get that across. Um, because so many times, you know, especially with dance, we're doing this very basic, like a plie, it's bending your knees. It feels like the most boring thing in the world. It's like basically a squat, right? And a lot of kids are like, well, why do we have to do plies every single week in every single class? This is so boring. But if you explain like, well, the plie, if you get that down and you've got a strong plie, that's your base to do pretty much any jump, leap, uh, turn all the big stuff, you always go back to the plie. You always go back to those basics. So that's why we constantly work the plie because it's building those muscles that you need to do all the cool stuff, you know? Um, and in order to do the cool stuff, you have to go back to your basics and really make sure that you're, you're strengthening and, and using your technique there. So, um, so yeah, I, I think, yeah, 100% like it, you, you just have to get on their level and you have to, you have to have them buy into it, I think is what I'm trying to say, you know. Is there a particular discipline of dance that is foundational that, I mean, is it ballet that is the foundational discipline that then gives rise to what you're able to do as a dancer as, as you progress? I, I was wondering if, if you can kind of walk me through like the foundational discipline. Is there like, is, is it ballet or is there a different type of, if I'm even using so this the terminology is, correctly? This is a, this is a challenging question to answer because, um, Various schools of thought will tell you lots of different things. Um, I was raised, and a lot of people in 
in our culture are raised to believe that ballet is the end all be all. And if you want to be a dancer, you have to learn ballet and ballet is the best. And I will say as a dancer who started with ballet and danced all through high school and danced on point ballet, um, I had a, I had a love hate relationship with, but it made me into a very strong, um, and I mean, athlete, to be honest, you know, that it really, it built my balance up my strength, my coordination, uh, my ability to control my body, uh, my grace, um, all that kind of stuff. However, um, I, I think, um, as we have grown and progressed and as I personally have been introduced to lots of different dance styles, not your traditional ballet, tap, jazz, hip hop, but, um, other different cultural dances, I, I don't think it's fair to say that ballet is the end-all be-all. I think ballet is a beautiful art form that, that again, it teaches you all those things that I just went over in addition to dedication and focus and um, respect and things like that. But I also think that you can be a very strong dancer and dance in other areas as well. I personally, as an educator, would encourage anyone who is um, a dancer and wants to be a professional dancer um, to think about what kind of dancing they want to do. Um, because if you if you're if you want to be dancing in the Joffrey ballet, then yes, you need to be studying ballet. But if you are looking to do more like music videos or um, you know dancing on some of these shows, you know they've got all these different dance shows now and and, and shows like. My husband and I, this is a guilty pleasure of ours, but we watch that Mass Singer show. <laughs> and they've got some amazing dancers on that show. Um, but if you're doing that kind of dance, then you're going to want other styles of dance. You're going to want to be very versatile. So you're going to want to take all different styles of dance. If you are somebody who's going to like do cultural dance like Ballywood or, um, you know, um, African jazz or things like that, then you're going to want to study other types of dance as well. I think the best thing you can do if you're not 100% sure or you're just interested in dance is take a lot of different styles because the more versatile you are, um, the the stronger dancer you're going to be because you you understand um, how to basically morph your body and kind of chameleon into different styles. Um, so I, I, you know, my dancers who are like, well, you know, um, we really, I want to keep dancing, you know, and I really want to do lots of different things. I say, well, then then sign up for as many dances classes you can with as many different instructors um, and in as many different styles as you can. And you're not going to feel comfortable in all of them, um, but um, but you try your best and you you figure out what your body is available to do at that time. And then you work hard to figure out the other styles. I am not great at every style of dance, um, but I try to stay fairly up to date with um you know, the, the main styles that we teach. Um, and, and then also, you know, do some research on other styles that are not traditional to our country and our culture. So, so yeah, <laughs> there's not really a solid answer for that, <laughs> but so just, uh, as a preference question, like, is, is there a, yeah. um, is there a country that has their own unique style that you're like, Oh, that's, that's, like that you just that excites you is it is it like you said bollywood has a, a type of dance i love bollywood dancing yeah i um i actually am a, a was a zumba instructor for a while and their um 
they they're a, a cultural dance fitness organization, as I'm sure you know, because Zumba is like so popular now. But um, there were a few Bollywood dances that I learned through that organization, and obviously that is a very watered down Bollywood, and it's taking mm-hmm. Bollywood uh, technique and putting it into more of a fitness um, realm, but. I I just, I love that music. I love watching people who actually know what they're doing (laughs) dance. Um, And that one's really cool because they use, and, and and I need to preface this with, I don't know that much about Bollywood besides just enjoying watching it and having some students when I worked at Glenbard North who were um, Bollywood dancers and seeing them perform. And, um, but there's, there's a certain style and I have no idea what exactly it's called, but they wear like, um, I guess, bells basically, but they wear them like on their ankles and their wrists. Um, and I, and so part of it is like almost musical, like they're, it's kind of like tap dancing, which I was a tap dancer as well. Your body is dancing, but you're also creating the sound as well. And I've always been very, um, interested and fascinated by styles of dance that kind of incorporate that your, your body is the instrument as well as just being the dancer does that i don't know if that makes sense yeah, but yeah, like I, I just somehow you're the 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 dance becomes its own kind of percussive events you know as as yeah. they express themselves it's so you you kind of also mentioned something else what to to a person who just watches you know like a tv show and and say oh that's a really good dancer but you have a, a perspective to recognize a talented dancer like so to the lay person who's just watching tv when you're watching someone dance how do you know they're a good dancer what do we look for um i mean um i think you know i think a lot of what people look for right now is like the tricks and the flexibility um and being able to do 500 turns you know, in a row, which is very impressive and takes a lot of body control. What I love to see is, um, and this might be because I come also from a theater background, but I love dance and choreography and dancers who um, can really captivate and tell a story with their dance. Um, I, and not, and not all dance needs to tell a story. I'm just, I'm just drawn to um, dance that, that has some kind of story element behind it. Um, so I, I love seeing dancers who, um, really use their emotions, um, in, in dance, like in dance competition world, they call it like facials, like they're using their face. Um, but, but not only their face, like, and, and it's hard to describe, but I mean, you can, it's a difference of like, reaching and and you can't see me I'm doing this right now and you nobody can see me but it's a difference of like I, I tell my students sometimes like when they're working on their port de bras which is their arms the carriage of their arms how their arms are being held like you want you want your arms to be reaching almost like you have lasers in your fingers and those lasers are are pulling your arms farther or like you're in one of those like bubble boy bubbles and you're reaching your arms to the outside of the bubble and it's something about like it's, it's that radiation that comes out of you, that, that energy. And I, it's hard to describe, but I I'm sure that you've seen it and it's, it's the person that you're captivated to watch. And I'll be honest, that's not always the person who is the most, uh, the best with their technique or hits the 500 turns, but that's the person that, that, that you are drawn to watch. And so that's, you know, I, I think 
I don't want to say that's the better dancer because, again, like you could look at someone else and in a competition world, a different dancer may win the competition because technically they are stronger and they can balance longer and they have better coordination and better flexibility and they can do lots of cool skills. Um, But the person that I prefer to watch and see is the person who is just emulating and having that 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 intense presence and and is really um, telling the story of the 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 music or the dance um, or even if there isn't a story to tell, just very connected, um, almost in like a spiritual way. I saw um, Savion Glover, who is a a tapper. Um, he was at COD a few years ago, um, and he is very much. Um, more of an improvisational tapper. Um, so I would I would call him a musician before I even call him a dancer. <laughs> I'm not sure if he would agree with that, but I personally see him like that because his tap, you know, he has a live band on stage and his tap, it, it, the rhythms are insane. <laughs> um, and, and again, it's not that he was he's necessarily telling a story and he doesn't have costume changes and there isn't always a, you know, theme to the entire piece necessarily, but he is so connected to the music and connected to his body and and his awareness of himself and his surroundings. It's, I mean, it's just mesmerizing to watch. So, um, so yeah, that's, that's what I'm drawn to. Um, that's what I like seeing both in professional dance, but also, um, within my students too. Um, and you know, I, I, my students, there's a group of them that do go and and do competitions and community performances. And, um, it's really cool to see, um, to see the different dancers in the area, but also see what the choreographers bring and, and what stories they're telling through their choreography. Um, so that's what I'm, I'm most interested in. I was wondering now if we can maybe kind of transition to you as um, an entrepreneur and kind of starting your, your business. Describe, you know, I, th- we, I think we kind of mentioned before, like why you took that leap, but I was wondering if you could describe your business and where it's at and what's a typical day or week or kind of like, uh, kind of, kind of segment of the curriculum and kind of walk us uh, through the whole business? Yeah, well, that's a loaded question. <laughs> um, I I will be the first to admit that um, I don't know what I'm doing most of the time. Um, I definitely am someone who really likes the operational side of things as far as like managing instructors and writing curriculum and organizing the events and um, that kind of stuff. I hate doing anything legal and anything with money. (laughs) I really hate that side. I have to learn it. Um, And luckily, I've had some uh, different individuals in my life be able to help me with a lot of that stuff and and teach me. Um, A lot of it is figuring out as I go, um, which is terrifying. (laughs) Um, But it is what it is. Um, so I don't, a, a typical day is hard to say because it really changes session to session. I still teach uh, a, most of the classes uh, for my organization. Um, so I teach five days a week, um, both either in a morning time chunk or an evening time chunk. Um, and then I have a couple, I usually have at least one morning off that I use for office hours so I can get up and I can just work at the computer until I have to go teach at night. Um, 
nights are harder to find that just because evenings are prime time to um, have kids in since it's after school time. Um, but then my afternoons are usually spent um, on the days that I'm doing double shifts. Um, I'll usually spend an hour or two in the afternoon just catching up on emails and things like that. Um, this past year I did hire a virtual assistant and it has been a game changer. Um, she is fabulous and I can basically, we have a Trello board that I put tasks in for her. And like, I, I honestly, I don't know. I don't know if I would have made it out the last year without her. Um, so that's been really great because I've learned that I am really great at the big ideas and I, have a really hard time implementing because I have so many ideas and I have a hard time figuring out, okay, what needs to be done and what's the first step to get to where I need to go. So she's been really great at kind of piecing the little things together so that it can, you know, come together and we can work together to get um, some new material. And um, she's been really great at helping with like the social media aspect because that's not something that I particularly enjoy. Obviously, you're, we're coming out of a very challenging uh, year. What was, I mean, I'm sure there were many challenges that you had to kind of confront when we had to um, kind of work within COVID and quarantining uh, protocols. What was the most kind of successful move that you made to be able to endure it as a business? I went virtual for my classes. Um, and I remember that week. Um, the week before everything shut down, when everyone was kind of whispering about, you know, oh my gosh, what's going to happen? And thinking, well, you know, maybe we'll be shut down for two weeks and we'll have spring break and we'll be back by April. It'll be fine. Um, but after that, I think it was probably even just the Tuesday after the Friday where everything was went kaput. Um, I I don't know. I honestly, I I've never in my life, I think pulled something together like this that fast. Um, I'm definitely somebody who overthinks and overplans and has a hard time just moving forward. And this was before I had my virtual assistant too, but I, um, I don't know, I decided like, I think it was a Tuesday that, okay, I have to figure out how to get my classes on a virtual platform. I got to figure out Zoom. I got to figure out uh, like a mini website to get Zoom recordings out to kids who can't participate on Zoom. Um, I got to email all these people. Um, I got to figure out some other supplemental material for these kids. And I spent basically a Tuesday through Sunday working nonstop um, to just get everything prepared. And then we finished the rest of our session virtually. I kind of had a different um, schedule because um, I, I we live in a small condo, so I don't really have a studio at my house, but I had to basically make our half of our bedroom into a dance studio. Um, so because it wasn't the exact schedule that they had signed up for, I let anybody come to any class that they were um, the appropriate age for. Um, I invited some non-dance families to join us um, in classes, you know, if they were looking for activities. Um, we did some like dance party type things where I invited uh, those like the princess, the people who dress up as princesses and superheroes, and they would come in and read a story. And then we'd, we'd do a dance class. And um, so it was just getting really creative and creating as much content as I possibly could. And I shouldn't say creating, but pulling together content because there were a lot of um, dance and arts educators and educators in general who were uh, 
producing content. So it was gathering all of that up and and getting it out to people and just, um, yeah, and just doing my best to like make sure that people remembered we were here and we were doing our best and we were trying to serve them. And <laughs> we did a virtual Zoom performance where we recorded all the kids on their own Zooms and then um, I sent those videos off to a videographer who put them all together. It was very interesting. <laughs> um, and, and yeah, so um, I actually learned that I love teaching virtually, um, not so much for older students, but I specialize with um, uh, early childhood and I actually, it was fantastic. I think it's a great tool that I wish more people would take seriously, um, even moving past, you know, this time of COVID where we can't always be together. Um, but I, I think there are huge benefits for a lot of students learning virtually. Um, and I'm, I'm hoping it, we're seeing a downtick now that, you know, more classes are being allowed to be held in person, but I'm hoping to incorporate virtual elements into, um, my studio in the future. We've done, we did our awards ceremony virtually, um, we've done some other smaller events and parties, um, virtually, and it's great to, um, bring together all of our communities. Cause we, we teach at a variety of locations, um, like West Chicago, Medina and LaGrange are our three top ones. And, you know, they're not the closest. So those kids would never normally get to meet each other, even know each other existed. And this has been like a really cool way to kind of almost be like, not pen pals, but like just know other kids from other communities. And, and I think that's really cool because especially for younger kids, I, I think they forget that like there's other kids out there, you know? Um, so, so yeah, it, it was a huge challenge. I really honestly don't know how I, how I did it, but I just did. And I, I honestly, I think that's what we all did at that point. Like you just kind of like hunkered down and like figured it out because, the other option was like not having a job anymore. Um, and for me, <laughs> right. not, having a, not having a job for me, um, you know, when you have a business, it's, it's like, I, this sounds really cheesy, but I've heard other people say it and it really does kind of feel true. It feels like, you know, it's like your child. It's like you're, you know, when you, you've, when you, I've thought about, you know, on bad days where I'm like, oh, I just don't want to do this anymore. But then it's like, you're giving up on like, a part of you, you know? So, um, I don't know. I, I, like I said, I don't have a solid answer as to how I did it, but I just figured it out and we didn't keep everybody. And we've had, you know, we had a huge drop off for in person because we still have families who either aren't comfortable coming back or have moved on to other activities because they didn't want to participate virtually. Um, but we're slowly working our way back up. And I think the people who did stay with us, like really saw the hard work that, um, you know, we, we put behind and that we were really like trying our best to like help their kids out and provide them with, you know, anything to look forward to during that time. Um, and I think that went a really long way. So, um, so yeah. I think I heard the expression was like, we were building the airplane as we were trying to land it, you know, it's kind of like, oh the, God, right? you know, <laughs> Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah I'm sure yeah. you experienced a lot of that too, because oh, I, yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. and I, it, it was, it was I'm, something else, but you know, like, but I think what you, you touched on was pretty key there that, that you were, I think we all kind of pooled together the yeah. creativity within the 
communities that we were in. So teachers helped teachers uh, yeah. and, and you found sure, other sure. instructors that were able to think about the techno technological aspects to keep it virtual and going and all that. So yeah, it's, it's pretty. Yes, that's so true. There were so many people who were so helpful last year who had either already been using Zoom or other platforms. And I, I mean, I, I feel like I just, that was a really cool thing to see with so many people coming together and um, just helping each other out. Like, I, I mean, I, I didn't know how to do like most of this stuff. I'm not the most like technically savvy person. And, um, and so, yeah, it was really great to like, just see people coming together and, and learn and learn from other types of educators too. Like I, last year, I really started looking at like, not just what the dance industry was doing, but like what other organizations were doing during that time, um, and how they were being creative. Um, and even just, you know, school educators, because it's it's good to know what what you guys are doing so that we know, you know, what the kids are ex experiencing at school time and and how we can incorporate that into our classroom to, to, you know, help you guys out and make sure that we're all kind of working together to, to help the students and um, and encourage growth and, and positivity during a really, really not fun time. <laughs> Wow, Laura, this was so much fun. And you know, I was wondering if you could share with us tips for success uh, for with uh, current Wildcats. Yeah, so I have been um, mulling over this uh, since you emailed me about the interview. Um, and I hope you don't mind that I have a couple things. No, I love <laughs> um, it. I, of course, like I told you at the top, I, I can't, I'm a very wordy person. So, um, I think um, the one that kept standing out to me, and I think this particularly uh, is for um, people in the arts, but especially arts educators and especially female arts educators, um, to find balance in everything. Um, I know for a long time in my early in my career, I was very into like self-help books and things like that. And you'd have one book telling you, well, you got to wake up at 5 a.m. and get your day started and, you know, work, 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 and you got to hustle and blah, blah, blah. But then you'd have the next book telling you, well, you better get eight hours of sleep because if you don't get your full eight hours, you're going to be a horrible human being. And mm -hmm. I remember feeling very conflicted because all of this advice just felt contradictory. Like, how can I constantly be hustling, but then also getting eight hours of sleep every single night? And um, and that's just one example. Um, but, you know, I, I think the other way that I see it a lot, especially with dance education, because it is very female dominated, um, we are a lot of times seen as a glorified babysitter and not always taken very seriously and seen as, well, you should want to do this because you want to do it for the kids, um, but then not always being compensated fairly for the work we put in. So I, again, I think it's a balance of finding, um, you know, doing your job, showing up, being reliable, leaving the room better than, you know, leaving it better than as you came to it as. What's that? Is that the right phrase? Leaving it better than how you came to it. I don't know. Yeah, um, yeah, but then also, you know, not letting people bully you into feeling like you should just be doing it for the art and, and, and setting clear boundaries to say, well, this is, this is the compensation that I need for this particular job or whatever this project. Um, and you know, this is, this is where my boundary is. 
Um, and it's hard to speak up, but, um, but I think knowing those boundaries and knowing that everything is just a balancing act and that, you know, you're not going to always be balanced. You're going to have times where you're swinging one way or the other, but always trying to find that balance and knowing that, um, you know, it's, it's not black and white and, and you got to kind of find that. Um, I think that's really important. Um, and I guess just bouncing off of that is just to stay flexible with all of that. Um, I know that is something that I struggle with all the time and I, I, I have a hard time finding that. Um, but I think it's really important to at least be aware of it and then keep trying to always get back to that, that equilibrium, if you will. Um, the other thing that I think is super important, and it was something that I did not do well for many, many years, and it really has just been the last couple years that I've gotten better at, is networking. And I know everybody says this, and I heard it in high school and in college. Um, and for me personally, I I had this like air that I felt like I couldn't I couldn't I couldn't talk to my professors and my teachers and if, if I had questions because I should just know the answer and I would be bugging them and that would be awkward and um and I think you know we you have to get past that like the people that I know that were very successful early on were people who were not afraid to ask for help from their professors and their instructors and their educators and their teachers and other people in their life and their peers and and they just they put themselves in a situation they got themselves into you know um, the room and did things that maybe they weren't totally qualified for and didn't know what to do. But by putting themselves there, they had that great experience and and they were better for it. Um, and, you know, I think there's so many like this situation. I reached out to you because my brother had mentioned you had a podcast and I have been listening to it and loving it and wishing that it had been around when I was in high school because I felt very lost at the time on what I wanted to do and and where I wanted my life to go. And I reached out to you because I wanted you to know that, you know, you're doing a great job. And I know I love getting feedback randomly from people that just gives me that little boost of confidence. And then this is, you know, now we've gotten to connect. And if I hadn't shot that email out, I don't, you know, I don't know if you would have ever reached out to me. So um, I think, you know, get used to saying your name confidently. I learned about that in acting school and making sure Laura Vodica, it's a strong, confident name. You know who you are, even when you're not feeling confident, making sure, you know, you're, you're practicing looking people in the eye and, and then practicing asking for help because every time you ask for help, you make that connection. And I mean, again, it's like there's so many times in my life where things have come back around and it might've been years, but it's because I made a connection years, years, years ago. And again, I know I did not do a good job of this when I was young and I wish I would have been more brave and confident to be able to do that. So I think that's super important. Um, and then the other one that I was thinking, and I know this is a little bit obscure and we didn't really get to talk about this much, but I personally think, I know everybody says to get a serving job and that you'll learn so much from that. I never served. I worked in a deli, um, but I worked in a lot of customer service jobs when I was young, um, both in teaching, but also I was a, I, I worked at a, a, a ticket office and took orders for tickets. I worked front of house for a theater for a while. I worked at a theater festival and did like their um, um, little uh, gift shop area. And I feel like I learned so many skills from those experiences um, that have helped me in every job I've ever had. And honestly, it was kind of reflecting on this where I'm like, 
you know, there's so many things that I feel like as an educator that just kind of come naturally. And when I see other um, educators not doing it or other people within the industry not doing it, I kind of, it's like, it seems common sense, but you step back and you're like, well, it's not common sense. It's common sense to me because I had a customer service job where, you know, I had to develop that persona on the phone and I had to um, really always think about like, putting the customer first and listening to them and taking a step back and letting them talk first. And um, so I reflecting on this and, and, and um, thinking about recommendations, I'm like, man, that those jobs, like, you know, they seem silly at the time. They were just to make extra money during college and high school, but like they really, they put an imprint on me. And I, I think I have pretty good customer service skills and, and I know it's from those experiences. So um and I'm in serving, I mean, that's customer service too, but I, I was thinking specifically more about like, especially my, my job where I had to answer a phone and, um, and that, you know, I've, I've used that in every single other position I've had in my life because most jobs you're going to have to have something where you're, you, you know, you've either got a customer or a client that you're working with and just having those, you know, those skills are just so important. Um, so yeah, I, I have a huge list, but I'm I'm going to keep it at that for now. <laughs> for the record, for the record, Mark, Laura, I, you were on my list of uh, potential. For, yeah, for the record, that? you were on my list to uh, to ask. So it was uh, you, you, you just you beat me to the punch by uh, by uh, reaching out to me. But you were on my list for sure. I was making my way through. Well, Laura, thank you so much for your time today. This is this was great. I mean, I, I really think of the things that um, I, I I learned so much about, and really, in many ways, validated so much of what good teaching is. And you really yeah. laid out some really important foundational concepts of what learning is and what good responsive teaching was today. So um, this was really uh, a joy uh, to talk to you today. So thank yeah. you so much. And I think one other thing that I just made me think of this, um, I think if anyone is interested in teaching or even has a little inkling, um, I know when I was in high school, I, I, I come from a teaching family. So I was very, I thought teaching was like, well, you do the same thing every day, every year. How boring is that? Like, and and what I've learned is teaching is is truly an art form itself. Um, and again, not to get cheesy, but um, there's, there's so much creativity in not only creating a curriculum, creating a lesson plan, but then in the actual classroom. I mean, you truly are a performer. And I know my acting degree really has helped me as an educator because you are, you're, you're putting on a performance and you're improv, you're improvising and you're, you're quickly problem solving and you're, um, you're always thinking on your feet. So I think if anyone's, you know, questioning teaching or not sure, just remember that it, it is a very creative job and it's, um, it's, it, it's, it's always changing. It's always morphing. And there's like, there's always something to learn with it too, which I think is, is great. And that's why I, you know, I will always, you know, even if my business takes off and I take a step back from teaching, I will always at least teach a little bit because I love that high that I get in the classroom and being in front of the students. Um, so yeah. Um, and yes, it has been great talking to you, Mr. Turnbow. Um, I loved, loved, loved global studies my freshman year. I know I was probably a very shy student, but um, 
you and Mr. Sainer were one of my favorite classes that freshman year. And um, it is really an honor to um, have you remember me and talk to me. And I really do love your podcast. Um, I think I've listened to most of them. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, you do a great job. And um, and I'm, I'm, I just, I'm very impressed with it. And I, I wish it would have been around when I was in high school. So, so keep up oh, the good work. <laughs> thank you so much. That's great. Thanks, Laura. Thanks for listening. You can follow We Go Places on iTunes and Google Podcasts. Just search We Go Vox. That's We Go, V-O-X. Or search on Facebook for We Go Places Podcast. 